All right, brother. Well, welcome to the show, man. Appreciate you being here. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. Dude, I've been like super stoked ever since you uh, agreed to be on the podcast because you are somebody who has really lived out the ethos of what we teach on the Blue Collar Blueprint. As, as I'm sure everybody on the audience knows, anybody who doesn't, I want to recap. The idea is to learn, earn, and churn, right? You start off by learning a valuable trade in the skills, and then you earn money from those skills and you leverage those skill sets into a successful business career. And this is something that our guest today has done like extraordinarily well. In fact, he's exceeded what I have done. And so I'm excited to learn and uh, I'm excited to hear what you have to say, man. So can you kind of just give us a little breakdown about what your experience has been in life and kind of, you know, where you got started from and where you're at now? Sure. Yeah. My, my name is Tommy Har. I'm out of Columbus, Ohio, born and raised in Ohio. So blue collar, just in that sense, um, come from a pretty modest family, uh, very middle class. My dad uh, is a home inspector. My mom, my mom's a teacher or was a teacher. So uh, one of five kids. So came up having to work for everything and um, the oldest boy as well. So um, went to college, did a, basically the American dream. My mom always wanted me to go to college, did that whole thing. They sent all five of us to, to school, um, played soccer in college, then came back and became a home inspector with my dad. So he uh, owned a home inspection company. It's been about 22 years, I think now. So 22 years as a home inspector. Um, and in the middle there, he worked also as a prop. Uh, he owned a property preservation company. So when banks were foreclosing on everything in 08, 09, 2010, um, somebody had to be the boots on the ground for the bank. So I was always mowing lawns for uh, banks, trashing out the houses, doing that whole thing. Um, but transitioned, learned a lot from home inspections and became a real estate investor during that same time period. Um, now I own a real estate investing company. Um, we own about 65 rental properties. Uh, we flip probably hundred, we'll flip over hundred houses this year. Um, we do a bunch of real estate wholesaling as well. So fantastic, man. Well, dude, like, uh, you know, it's funny, like literally everything you just said is, has so many parallels in my life. My dad was a blue collar guy, you know, a blue collar homeowner. I'm the oldest boy out of four, not five, but, uh, same idea. Uh, I went to college spent a whole bunch of time doing that and got a piece of paper that now collects dust in my closet <laughs> and I make money doing things with my hands, right? Like being a blue collar guy. So that's, that's phenomenal. And in fact, my wife and her mom run a, a real estate company, one of the largest in Manatee and Sarasota County, uh, selling REOs back in the day. So they would be the guys who were coordinating with the, uh, <laughs> with the home preservation. So I know that business well as well, man. So that's really cool. Definitely so, changed a lot. Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's funny because now they've, they had such a glut of foreclosures during that 2008, you know, in the four or five years that came after that, uh, which is really when I got and started investing at that time. So I was able to kind of jump in there and that's the world I went into. And then as I started to pick up a little steam, the world started changing dramatically, right? Like all those foreclosures started dropping off and business has changed dramatically. So yeah kind of interesting. So can you tell me, how did you go from transitioning from being a home inspector into being a real estate investor? Yeah. So it, they kind of all came together at the same time. So I graduated college. And at the same time, when I was graduating college, my uncle called me and asked me if I wanted to invest in real estate with him, but in Chicago. So I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Um, and I kind of, I, I just poo-pooed it right away. And I was like, you know, I'm going to, I always told my dad I was going to go work for him. Thank you for the offer, but no. And uh, went back, 
started doing the inspections, what we did a lot was uh, hard money inspections. So a lot of times if you get a loan for a fix and flip, an inspector has to come out and look at the houses to make sure that your work is done to draw your money out. So if you have 10,000 in your budget for a roof, I would have to come out, make sure it's done to then go back to the bank and say, hey, Joe did the roof. You need to pay him the $10,000. So I started then seeing people investing in real estate. And I started seeing the money and lifestyle they were making. And I was like, huh, I like that a lot. I like that. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't think this is much harder than what I'm doing now. Um, it's just a little more, a little more scary because you don't know, you don't know it yet. And, uh, but it's still real estate still with your hands. It's still a tangible thing. So just started making that transition, uh, education wise during that beginning phase, like really digging into bigger pockets podcast, which is a real estate investing network, um, books and just getting myself out there networking. Um, and then just the transition started slowly and then it started to blow up three ish years ago. Fantastic, man. So uh, uh, that's something that I find really interesting. One of the things that we teach on the show is that when you're a blue collar guy, especially if you're doing something like what you were doing, where you were going and I'm imagining doing multiple home inspections every day, right? I mean, is that mm -hmm. fair to say? So yep. you're running around through the community and you're directly linking up with people who are doing exactly it is that you want to do, right? So you had the opportunity to interface with these people. I imagine you're probably running into some of the same people over and over again, and you're seeing like, oh, this guy's successful, or and that guy's work looks like crap, you know? So you're kind of learning. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. So I tell people that all the time. It's a story I give, literally exactly that. So everybody is always, how do I find good contractors? How do I find, how do I network? To, you just got to go out there and meet them. So I was lucky enough right. to, and I didn't know it at the time, but that's exactly what's happening. I was meeting the contractors. I'm the one that's meeting the contractors and I can see if they do really bad work. Right. Like see if they do really good work. <laughs> so the really good work, I'd pull out my phone and be like, Hey, are you taking on any more business? I'm going to be doing this here in the future. Um, and just started collecting a Rolodex of people as time goes on. And if you do that enough, your relationship capital is massive. So yeah, relationship capital is just being able to have relationships and being able to call anybody in the, in your sphere of influence to be able to figure anything out pretty much. What what are the things that made a contractor stand out? So when you run around doing these inspections and you saw something, you were like, sure. this guy freaking knows what he's doing. I want to make sure I get that guy on my team. Sure. Drywall was always a big one. Okay. Um, Cause I've seen really bad drywall. I've, I've hired really bad drywallers. <laughs> Most uh, of us have. <laughs> and like the good ones where there's just clean lines and there's just, they don't use a lot of mud and it just looks perfect. I'm like, ah, I got to get these people's number. Yeah. Especially if I'm looking at the, cause I'm seeing the budget too. And if I'm seeing the budget and it's not astronomical, I'm like, I definitely got to get this guy's number. Right, right. So tile work was always a big one. Tile work, um, paint lines were always uh, uh, important to me. I'm very particular about paint lines, flooring, um, any finish work. Um, really, that was crisp, clean, clean work sites was big too for me. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they were there when I was there too, like that right. was, a good one, you know? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. What are some things on the flip side of that that are like when you see a contractor, maybe not specifically about the quality of work, because we all understand we want the work, the product to look good. But what are things like that, the, the contractor himself, because I'm thinking from a guy like me, you know, I'm mm -hmm. out in the field. I do drywall for guys like you and I do it for myself, you know, of course. And uh, but what are some things that you can point to and be like, man, I don't want to deal with that guy again. What are some of the downfalls, things that we should avoid on the contracting side? Yeah, I would say showing up late to the appointment. Um, if they're always late or they're running late, 
Um, to me, that's a big no-no. Um, that's a huge thing for me and my company and my people. Um, the next one is going to be a lazy worksite or disorganized worksite. So there's trash everywhere. There's flies all over old food, stuff like that. So if yep. keep a tight workspace. Um, and then also if they're complaining about other people all the time, <clears throat> that's huge for me. It's just like, Hey, this guy didn't pay me this, or this guy, they're just kind of blaming and being a victim mentality, um, for everybody but themselves. So no accountability. Sure. Uh, I usually try to run from those contractors as fast as I possibly can. Wise choice. Wise choice. I was reading your, uh, if you guys haven't checked it out, you got a great write-up on Business Insider, which is really cool. And one of the things you had commented on in that article was that you hired a contractor who you should have fired like 12 months earlier than you did. Yeah. Uh, can you, what, what was that guy doing? What was the deal with that? So it was kind of a culmination of all the things we just talked about. So it was my first flip ever, and I found it through him. I met him through a hard money inspection, and he put me onto the house. So I was like, okay, let's let's give him the work. So he said he was a general contractor. He ended up just being kind of a one, two man show that jack of all trades, master of nothing. Mm. <laughs> um, it was like a older, really heavy set guy. So he took a lot of time to do everything. Right. Um, and it was a 4,000 square foot house, five bedrooms, six bathrooms. Damn. And that was your first one. Holy crap, man. <laughs> what we did wrong on that, if you want, but um, just like my scope of work was not tight. Uh, there was change orders everywhere. Like right. everything was a change order. Everything was nickel and dime. The timelines were never set. The expectations were never set. So like money was kind of flying around everywhere um, and giving partial on draws too. I was giving like 60% for paint. It's like there, there was just no rhyme or reason for anything. Gotcha. Okay. So yeah, I mean, again, you're really like singing the song that I always talk about, man. Like I'm always out there preaching like from the contractor side, right? I mean, not only is it a great way to generate leads, not only is it a great way to get in front of people who are out there investing, to get in touch with other contractors, to learn the business, to understand, you know, what works, what doesn't work, all of those things. You can be learning while also earning great money doing contractor business. Is I don't know if you're like me, but when I find a contractor who I like, I'll pay that guy a crap ton of money to show up on time, do a great job, work fast, be efficient, and not dick me around. And I'm okay with that, right? I'm willing to fork out the extra bucks. Is that something you agree with? 100%. Yeah. And it's a it's funny because like it transitions over time. You always kind of go for cheap cheap people, mm-hmm. burn a few times, and right. then over time, <laughs> where's the middle ground of like, I don't want to pay through the nose because at the end of the day, I am an investor. I do want to make money. Right. Right. But I need somebody that I don't have to babysit 24-7 as well. Yeah. Yeah. Finding that sweet spot from an investor standpoint and from being a contractor where you're not like killing people with the prices that you're charging, but also making sure that you're earning enough in order to make a living and to be able to leverage that income into your own sure. investments is important. I'd like to ask you some questions about the uh, the home inspection business, just sort of as, you know, let's say that we're somebody's out there watching this. He's a young 20-year-old buck and he's watching this. He's like, hell yeah, I want to do what Tommy did, you know? If he wants to use home inspecting as a as a tool in order to learn real estate, learn construction, and do kind of the same path that you did, what are some things you might advise him to do in that field? Yeah, so home inspections, uh, it's a great business. Uh, I, I think that it's a great vertical to have. And even if it's your only thing, I think it's a great opportunity to learn a valuable skill that's never going to go away. People are always going to need houses and they're always going to need them assessed. So it's a great way. And I always tell people, I'm like, hey, if this investing business goes under, which I don't think it will, but if it goes under and 08 happens again, 
I can now have a skill that I can go out and market my services and I can make $400 every three hours. I can do right. three, four inspections a day if I want to work really hard. And I make a couple thousand dollars a day, right. literally just using my, what I've learned in my head. And I, I have to spend time on it, but it, it, it gives you a good feeling knowing you can just go up and out and just earn money from, and nobody can take that from you, right? It's a value. It's a skill now. Right. And no AI program is going to be able to go in and evaluate a house, right? I mean, yeah. so that's something we have protection in that way because there, no amount of computer programming is going to be able to get up in the attic and look around to see what your plumbing and your electrical and your roof and all of these other systems look like. So yeah. I really like what you said. You can make a few thousand, a couple thousand dollars a day. Um, and that's what we, again, teach on the show. The goal is to get into a position where we have leveraged what we have learned in our trade skills into a solid income, which I define as at least $1,000 of take-home profit every single day that you go to work. And the way that I structure my own personal life is I do that a couple of days a week, say Monday and Tuesday, I'm out in the world at work, earn a couple thousand dollars, a few thousand dollars Monday and Tuesday. And then I spend the other days of my week building wealth. That's what I do. And that's that's the way that I roll. Uh, is that something that's viable in the home inspection business? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, there's also, I mean, it depends on if you want to own the company or if you want to just be an employee. As the owner of the business, if you want it to be sustainable, you have to always be marketing and you have to kind of be called when you like, it's whenever somebody's buying a house, you get called. So you have to market enough to have predictability within your schedule. Or you can work for somebody and then you can set the parameters of, hey, I'm only going to be available Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and then take the next days to do whatever you want to do on the side. Sure. What What's involved with becoming a home inspector? Like, are there schooling? Are there licenses? Obviously, it's going to be different from place to sure. place. I'm in Florida, you're in Ohio, but what kind of things do you need to do in order to get a license? Yeah, state to state it changes, but here in Ohio and what I understand from majority of the country, there's na there's a national exam. So you can go to a you can go to a trade school. There are home inspection programs. Like in Columbus, there is one. I did not go through a program because like I said, my dad's been doing it for 22 years. I basically did in a, well, I call it the apprentice model. I I just went to work with him my first day and just followed him around like a <laughs> just followed him around like a duck yeah. and like oh, he's pointing things out. I'm like Okay, I, I'm starting to pick up. Right. But, just like gathering right. as much information as you can. <laughs> really drinking through through like a fire hose. I mean, he was pointing at plumbing systems like a drain line, and I had no idea what plumbing even was at the time. Right. I was like, what is he even talking about? Right. Teacher <laughs> either. So like he would just do it, and I had to then extract what he was trying to trying to say. So a lot of the times it was when the clients came to the inspection, and you have to then talk to them during it about the house that was when i got most of my information in the sure. beginning because i was like hey i need to know this information too right right uh, home inspections is it's a tricky business it's a great business because you're managing a lot of expectations so you're managing your expectation you have to make money you have to be timely you have to be speedy because you have to do multiple a day to make money um and then at the same time you have to slow down and talk to the buyers who may not know a damn thing about construction so you got to spend time and you got to walk through it and you got to dumb it down you got to speak in right. layman's terms right and then you're also managing the expectation of the real estate agent who are living so if you become the home inspector deal killer you're not gonna get much business but you also still have to call out safety and, and, and health issues right so it's just this kind of ball of like making sure you don't step over any lines but you still have to do your job do it well um it's very it's very intricate yeah, that's phenomenal, man. So I, I love this. I think that's a great way. You know, I've, I mean, it's something that I've considered in the past because I've had so many situations where I've been doing a remodel and a flip, let's say, and we, 
the buyer comes in there and buys a, you know, has a home inspection come in and they point out a bunch of like little diddly type stuff. Cause you know, I, my, my thought is like, well, they have to, you know, they're getting paid 400 bucks. They got to find something. Right. And of course, if they identify something we want to fix, we want to make sure that that house is tip top shape. But I've had many situations where they have those deal killers and you're like, dude, you know, like you're scaring this homeowner into thinking that this is a big deal. And this is just a part of, you know, we live in a house, you know, this is part of the. Yeah. There's a company around Columbus that like they put everything in red, like the whole report. Right. is. <laughs> I'm just like, why would you put like anything in red? But the whole report is just like, I looked at it and I was like, because you walk, you walk away from a house, you're like, it's pretty nice. And you, you get the write up and you're just like, is that the same house we just walked? Like, there's no way. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So uh, just real quick before we move off the inspector thing, uh, if you were to get started, right? So you're this 20 year old guy, you decide I'm going to go hook up with a home inspector. Maybe you go through a course, maybe you just do what you did. You go through an apprenticeship model. You, you just kind of shadow a guy how long will it take them in order to sort of get on the feet and get to that stage where they can start earning that income you know yeah. making that say a thousand dollars a day how long will that take from start brand new you've never done anything in construction to getting to that point would you say i would say probably two to three years so it's <laughs> going to take you a little while to learn take the exam and then you're also going to have to at least in ohio now you have to get um <clears throat> on-site hours so it's like any other trade now yeah, you have to get on-site experience and you have to shadow somebody who is licensed in order to get your license. So there's the learning time period, there's the licensing time period. And then if you're going to work for yourself, you got to build your business and you got to build a book of clientele. So that one is going to take a little bit longer, but the upside's obviously more. But if you want to work for somebody, it can be a lot quicker to make the money, but it could be capped. But a lot of these are just dependent on how many hours and how many, like if you want to work on weekends, we can get you weekend work. Um, and we can pay you a little more for that. So that, that, that's always an availability. Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you what, from a, from somebody, an investor, I just had a situation where we've been doing a lot of refinancing and a lot of buying in the last 12 months or so. And I've had many situations where the bank is like, hey, we need a four point inspection in order to put, uh, you know, to, in order to put an insurance policy together, which in Florida has been particularly difficult ever since that hurricane rolled through and whatever. But those inspectors who are willing to come out on a Saturday or kind of like make time for me on that last minute, boy, those guys are, again, those are the contractors that I keep in my Rolodex. I'm not calling anybody else. They get my money every single time. They do the job right. They really expose exactly what I need them to do and they get there when I need it done. So that's been important in my, in my career. Awesome. So so you, you're out there, you're learning this business, you're making these contacts, you're running around the world, you're meeting investors, you're learning about construction and real estate and all of this kind of stuff. And you said your uncle reaches out to you and says, do you want to invest? Uh, which is funny because like I think about it normally, it's sort of the opposite, right? It's like you're you're running around like with, most people are running around like a chicken with their head cut off going like, I want to invest. I need somebody to help me. Uh, you kind of had the opposite. Why did your uncle think of you to invest with? Like what was the, the math there? He said at the time, like he knew I was a hustler. And I was studying finance and entrepreneurship in college. What like as I get older, like the entrepreneurship program is kind of funny because you can't really teach what you learn. Yeah, but <laughs> um, he, I think he saw it as an opportunity to mold somebody and almost have like he he can get because he was working a full time job as a he does sales okay. and he was trying to get into the business and he needed kind of a partnership to be able to break in to basically do the who not how. If that, if, if you've, if you've read that book. Absolutely, man. Yeah. So you needed somebody, he needed somebody to be the boots on the ground. He had okay. access to some real shit or to, to some money and he wanted to marry that into a partnership. Is that the idea? 
he had capital. I had time. I had energy. And uh, we were going to try and put those three together to to build a business out of it. So Phenomenal. it was, uh, I told him no in the beginning. And then after about six months, <laughs> he came in, he told me to read uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. So if you've never read that book, highly recommend it. Got to read it. Yep. Yeah. And then <laughs> um, got into the Bigger Pockets podcast. So started listening to that, especially as being a home inspector or a tradesman, whatever it is, you can listen to things as you're walking around houses or doing your work or driving from site to site. Yep. Um, I stopped listening to music during that time period, m- mostly. Um, and I just listened to podcasts on 1.2 speed and just indulged in hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of real estate education, education. And, and stories. Because from what I, I've learned now is I learn by seeing. And if I can see somebody does it and they do it and I hear their story and I realize that they're not much different than me or come from a background that's much different than me, right. I can do it too. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's really the founding ethos of the entire blue collar blueprint as a concept in and of itself is that most people think of blue collar as like the bottom of the barrel, right? Like these are like the sort of the dregs of society. You think of this like 70 year old guy like drinking beer and he still has to work hard every day because he, you know, didn't do a, you didn't go to college and he didn't do all this stuff. And the reality is, is when you've got those skills in hand, A, you can make a crap ton of money if you know how to leverage it into a business, just like we talked about with your home inspection business, drywall in my case, building and all that kind of thing. But bam, it doesn't put you in a great position to be a hell of an investor because you know people, you know the trades, you can put your own physical time and money, especially in the early days into it yourself. So that's extremely valuable. Um, You know, it's funny because I do the exact same thing, even to this day, as I'm remodeling, I'm driving around, all I do is listen to podcasts, I'm listening to books. I mean, I did, I've done more reading, working as a drywall man than I ever did in college. You know what I mean? And uh, it's it's been great. The education you can get that way is phenomenal, which is hopefully with somebody out there is listening to this right now and getting a little education from this podcast. Um, one of the things that always frustrates me about some of these uh, these podcasts, Bigger Pockets is a great example. Those guys are so damn good at what they do, right? I mean, they have incredible knowledge. They have incredible experience and their guests are so talented and have done so many amazing things. Sometimes even, and I've done a lot of real estate, you know, I've done a lot of things in my life, but sometimes I feel like I can't even touch what you guys are doing. You own a thousand units. I own 15, you know, or whatever. Um, Talk to the guy who doesn't even own his own house, right? Talk to the guy who makes nothing in terms of money. He has no skill. He has no money. He has no resources. Talk to that guy and tell me, how does he go from being wherever he is now to being closer to your shoes? How does he get into his first deal? What are the things he needs to do? Yeah. I mean, the, the first thing is you got to run your own race. So you got to learn from these people, but you also got to, you got to realize that they may have come from a different background, maybe a different financial circumstance. Maybe they were gifted money. Maybe they were handed something, but you also can't make excuses too. Maybe they came from nothing and built it. You also don't know how long they've been in the game. So if they've been in the game 20 years and you're looking at it and you've never done anything, you're trying to compare where the comparison's not really there. So the first thing is run your own race. And then after that is educate yourself. So educate yourself on the on the principles of whatever it is you want to do. For me, it was investing. I want to do buy and hold real estate. I, I fell in love with the idea of passive income, uh, making money wherever I was in the world, financial freedom, and then uh, also real estate wholesaling. So creating money out of nothing um, because you know people, you have relationships, and you can sell. So any business too is just that, it's just sales. So you can be the best home inspector in the world, but if you can't sell your product, then you're you're not the best home inspector in the world because you right. can't get a sale. <laughs> so 
Um, educating yourself um, is, is massive and then implementing in small steps. So what I always recommend, depending on what you want to do, if people want to own real estate, uh, I always say house hack your first house. So educate, get your credit to be in a good point. Um, you don't even need that much money. Like in Ohio, like anywhere in the country, an FHA loan is 3.5% down. And you can do that on a two all the way to a four unit property that's still considered single family residential to the government. So you can live in one unit. I, my first house I bought for 185. It was a fixer upper. One side was already rented for $800. And the I, I, I bought it with $6,000 down and rented all my bedrooms out to um, uh, some friends. So, and at the time I didn't have any money. My mom lent me that $6,000. <laughs> yeah. I paid it back, but like that, that was all the, that money meant so much to me. I didn't have that. Um, so being thrifty, um, highly recommend FHA loan because what the, if you're not making much money at all, I was making $32,000 a year as a home inspector at that time. So not much money at all, but I qualified for an $185,000 house because FHA also, They'll give you, so if you're, you have to live in the unit, so the other units, they're going to count each one, 75% of the market rent or actual rent you're getting. They're going to count that as your income. So you're going to qualify for more and be able to get into those properties and uh, make cash flow. So that my payment, I refinanced out of my FHA and did it again. You can do one at a time. And if I'm going too in depth, uh, let me know, but no, no. This um, is great. My payment now is eleven hundred bucks on that first duplex, and it rents for twenty one hundred dollars a month. So pre is that for both units? So each each yep. unit is twenty one hundred. No, 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 no. Ish. Okay, yeah, right. <laughs> a pre expense cash flow. We manage all of our own properties, and like our our expenses are pretty low. A thousand bucks every single month coming into our pocket without really doing anything. Yeah, that, that's just, that's the thing right there that changed my life. Yeah, that's phenomenal. That's actually, it's hilarious. Again, another parallel. That's the exact system that my brother used uh, when he bought his first property. He's, he's about your age. Nice. Uh, actually, he's a couple years younger than you, but when he was 18 years old, he bought his first duplex. He lived in one side, he rented out the other side, and then he rented out his other bedrooms, right? So he was making money to live in his own house at 18 years old. And the kid was working at a Taco Bell. You know what I mean? It wasn't like he had a whole lot of money. Uh, nobody handed the boy anything. He just went out there and did it. That's awesome. I, I, I think that's phenomenal. So I want to kind of like harp down uh, and break down a couple of the the terms that you were using because they fly around out in the real estate space. But in case it's new to anybody, I want to make sure that everybody's on the same page. So the first thing you talked about was house hacking. And yes. house hacking is exactly what you just laid out, right? It's the idea of you have to live somewhere anyway. So you may as well buy that place using an FHA loan where you can get into it with a small amount of money. If it has multiple units, you can use those other units to bring up your income to be able to qualify for more. And then you can hack your own house in order to start developing cash flow. Um, is that a fair definition? Yep. Okay, right on. You can do with a single family house too. It just depends on like, it's just creating income out of the doors you have to pay for your, your living expenses. Yeah, absolutely. And that's ultimately, that's what, you know, that's sort of like planting the seed for what will leverage into financial freedom ultimately, which is another question I wanted to ask you. What is financial freedom? What does that even mean? Um, financial freedom in my eyes is never really worrying about money. Um, I know that's super vague, but growing up, um, while we would ask to do certain things and we had to work for everything, uh, but we we had money, but we didn't have like that amount of money to where we could do whatever we want, whenever we want. And on our on our own time, 
basically in my eyes now financial freedom is I don't ever have like never worrying about money, never worrying about where I can go out to eat, where I, what I'm going to wear the next day, like having the life basics. And then also having residual passive income coming in to where um, I can go to, like, I'm going to go to Greece now. I got married three weeks ago. I'm going to go to Greece two weeks on a honeymoon. And hopefully I can just kind of shut my phone down and not think about work at all because I've created now 60 or so rental properties that are going to spit me out, hopefully $20,000 of passive income next month. Right. So that's the, that to me is freedom and being able to then provide for my future family um, and my wife and kids and all that stuff is going to be very important to me. Great, man. Yeah. So I, I agree with you entirely. The way I define financial freedom is simply that you you do what Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad Poor Dad says, getting out of the rat race, right? It means that you have created investments and those investments pay you passive income. Passive means that it comes into your pocket without you having to go out into the world and do work in exchange for it, right? You've created a machine and that machine's job is to print money. And if, if you keep that machine well-oiled and you take care of the machine, it will continue printing that money for the rest of your life. So you created a machine that's just made out of, you know, 60 or so rental units that print you up to, you know, in the area of $20,000 in passive income every single month, money that you don't have to trade your time for. Uh, now, of course, like maintaining that machine is just like anything else, right? It's like you own a truck, you got to change the oil, you got to get new tires on it, you got to wash it and take care of it uh, in order to maintain that thing. But that's phenomenal, yeah. man. Yeah. So take me, let's say somebody does this. They go like, all right, Tommy, no problem. They go out and they buy their first duplex. They do exactly what you do. They uh, they use the other side to raise up their income. They get into the property. Now what? How do they, How do you know, tell me about the next two or three deals. They're still broke. They don't have any money. And let's say they don't have an uncle who's like saying, hey, dude, you want to come invest with me? How are they going to yeah. attract money or the, the resources that they need in order to get into that next project? Yeah. So, um, and just to, to kind of finalize the, the uncle story, we ended up losing a hundred grand on that first flip, um, in 18 months of my time and never did business again with my uncle. So, um, oh, yeah, it's not okay. always like you hear those stories and it's not always like, man, that, that, that guy got lucky. And it's like, well, no, it's like pretty much the complete opposite. So, yeah, uh, great learning experience from there. Um, yeah. I highly recommend the FHA loan you get. So there's certain guidelines FHA lays out. So FHA is just Federal Housing Association or something like that. It's a government-backed loan. So they're, they, they're not going to lend on a house that's fully destroyed, like to the studs, but they will lend on dated. So you need to find something that you can put sweat equity into. So like that first house, for example, I bought for 185. My side needed a lot of work. It needed all new siding. It needed windows. It needed a roof. And it needed paint, cabinets, flooring. I did all of my stuff on my side. I hired somebody for the outside, but the property a year later valued at 270. Mm -hmm. So in a year, I put 20 grand work into it. It was now valued for about $100,000 more than what I bought it for. So what that means is I then refinanced out of my FHA loan. So took it back to the banks like, hey, bank, I think this property is worth more now. When you When I bought it, it did not look like this. I think if I've done my research right, that's what happens with real estate. If you put work into it, it's, it's worth it's worth more. So I need to restructure my loan that I have here because you can use FHA one at a time. So I needed to refinance now that I have more than 20% equity into a conventional loan. And that's when I dropped my interest rate down to, I think a 2.75 as well. Good old days. That amazing debt on that property. And then I went and I moved two, two blocks up 
to the next house. And the next, and I did it again on a duplex. Okay. So you house out, you house out, excuse me, you home hacked your second house. Two, using two the FHA again, dude. Awesome. Love that. Okay. Um, I told my wife I would have done it until I died, right. but <laughs> she doesn't want to live next to people. So, <laughs> yeah. we, uh, and, uh, but, so I've just been in this, the, the same neighborhood. So bounced two blocks up, didn't have three roommates and I didn't live in my living room anymore. I brought one roommate <laughs> with me. So, uh, I had $800 to make up for my, my side of payment. And uh, my roommate paid me 800 bucks a month. So uh, just kind of lifestyle creeped up that way. That house was more turnkey. Um, I got a 2.25% interest rate on that one, uh, January 1st, 2020, 2021. So just unbelievable like properties because I put myself in a position to where I educated myself. And then I was seeing so much real estate. And I, I fell in love with the idea of changing my life through that, that like, I saw the opportunity. I struck fast. So being able to educate yourself and really know what you're looking for and then going at unwavering faith, going at it and going like, no was never, never an option. Right. Right. This is happening. Yeah. Yeah. Despite the fact you're, you're totally broke and you lose a hundred thousand dollars. Right. I mean, you know, and you're like a family difficulty and all of these sort of things. Like you, you have that struggle and you're like, I don't care. We're still doing this. Just because also, I didn't do it right doesn't mean I can't, right? It also took time. So between the first and second one, there was about a year gap. In that time, I was still learning and educating and implementing on trying to build my investing company. So this was after I lost all that money on my first flip gotcha. uh, with my uncle. And I went back and moved my parents for a little bit. And then I bought that house. And at the time, I'd flipped my first house um, and made money. So we made 50 grand. I, I split it with my partner 50-50. She lent me 60 grand. And then four weeks later, she got like a $95, $95,000 check back. And nice, it was like, nice. she also never lent like, money again, but that's a whole different story. Um, use that money to then just start building my business too. So I started wholesaling real estate during that time. Tell, was, tell me what, re, before we get into that, what is wholesaling? What does that mean? So wholesaling is basically, I call it like the black market of real estate. So <laughs> you're going directly to sellers. So most people think of real estate as you get a, you get a realtor and you put a sign out front of the house and the house is all beautiful. We're dealing with pretty much fixer uppers and we're directly talking to the seller. So I'm going around my neighborhood and I'm finding houses that have code violations or high grass or holes in the roof. And I'm reaching out to that seller and asking if they want to sell that house potentially. So you also get those houses at a discount because they need so much work and they may not know how to fix them up. So for example, a house in the area that I'm in right now may sell for $300,000 fixed up. I can maybe get that in contract for a hundred thousand because it needs a hundred thousand of work, leaving about a hundred grand of spread. I could then wholesale that house to an investor. Let's call it $120,000. And I could make $20,000 right there by never swinging a hammer, never owning the asset, basically like any, anything else, like wholesaling cars, or being a wholesale grocery distributor, like you know, they're making middle margin. It's just on a house. It's just an asset. So wholesaling changed my life that way. Yeah, that's phenomenal. So just to break down and make sure I understand and the audience understands. So wholesaling is where you're going to find, you're going to buy a house that doesn't have a for sale sign in it, right? You're finding houses that they don't even know is for sale yet, right? Uh, so you go in there, you identify a house where somebody has a need. The house is 
busted up and ugly and in terrible shape and it needs to get fixed. Maybe they have back taxes, maybe they have code enforcement, who knows what's going on. But you go in there and you say, hey, I can buy the house for you for this much. They say yes. And then you sell that deal to an investor who will go through the process of fixing it and renting it and doing whatever has to be done. Is that a fair way to? Yep. So it's just it's just a sales and marketing business, basically. Okay. You never own the assets. And that's the one problem with wholesaling is like, if you really want to own assets, that's not the way. You can make a lot of money. Like I'm talking multiple millions of dollars type mm-hmm. of money mm-hmm. uh, if you do it right. But you're not owning the assets. You're taxed at the highest amount as well. So. Right. It's also an avenue to then buy fixer upper properties for yourself. Sure. So it's an ecosystem you're building. Right. Yeah. This is one of the systems that I teach people all the time is one of the questions I get from people who are starting out broke. And I sympathize with this because when I got started out, I was like real broke too, you know, is that like, I'm thinking like, okay, I'll go get motivated and I'll freaking go knock on people's doors and I'll put a deal together. And then once I have a deal in my hand, I ain't got no money, you know? And like, if I don't have the structure in place or I can't get a mortgage or I don't know the people, I don't know partners, what do I do? And people think, well, I'm just not going to wait until I have all those ducks in a row. Yep. Oh, don't do that. The hardest part of real estate investing is finding the damn deal. So get the yep. deal. Once you mm-hmm. have a deal in your hand, now you can either figure out how to get your partner. You can attract somebody like me, somebody like Tommy, somebody like anybody out there who's got some access to some funds who will partner up with you. But if you can't find them, the worst case scenario is you wholesale the deal, right? You package it up and you make ten, twenty thousand $20,000. It only yep. takes a couple of times before you have an operating account where you don't have to worry about what if I can't put this deal together anymore because now you got 50, 60, 100,000 grand that you can use as a down payment or whatever you got to do. And, and for example, and I, I don't say this to to like be braggadocious or anything, but we're doing, we're making a $110,000, uh, they call an assignment. We're doing a $110,000 wholesale deal. It closes next week. Damn, we're man. Awesome. And ne- we're never going to own the house. We never touch. We just cold called the seller, asked him if he wanted to sell put it in contract and we're selling it to my friend and we're just making the middle of the month. We're people are buying it for 400. My buddy's buying it for five ten. Right. We're making $110,000 right. without and not doing anything. I mean, not, not doing anything, but you, you don't have to do all the hard work. You identified the deal. You made the deal happen. And, and what people also need to understand is they're thinking like, Oh, you're ripping your friend off. Like, no, he doesn't care how much anybody else bought it for. He only cares about getting a good deal. So to him, he's like, hell yeah, 500 grand. That's a great deal to me. The fact that you make money is just cream on the, you know, on top, right? Yeah. And you said something important too, um, (laughs) in the beginning of what you were just saying of uh, having your ducks all in order. Uh, You're never going to have your everything in in, in line, especially if you want to get into business, especially if you want to do something new. It's never going to be the right time. It's never going to feel right. It's never going to, you're never going to feel ready, <laughs> but it's scary as hell. Yeah. Starting something new is scary. And, but as long as you implement, you're going to fail. Learn from those failures as you implement. Go back and think about it. Be like, what am I not going to do again? And then do it again. So like losing a hundred grand on that first flip was awful. Most people would quit, but it's like, okay, what can I learn from this to where I don't ever do that again? Right. And oh. a 10 times better investor than what I would have been if I was a cocky little 24 year old <laughs> that just made a hundred grand on his first year. Right. Right. Dude, I call that tuition. Right. So we, and this is something that I also really appreciate that you talk about. And we'll talk a little bit more about this in a moment, but you really like to get down into what it's actually really like to invest in real estate. 
and I want to do the same thing. When I'm making my, my clips and my videos, I'm freaking sweating my ass off. I'm not like looking all clean and, you know, I'm like out in the field working, you know, because that's what it takes in order to do this business for real. It's a lot of work and there are a lot of speed bumps and a lot of unforeseen things. And sometimes, you know, the universe just comes up with a baseball bat and cracks you upside the head, you know? And so as far as I'm concerned, you go into a deal like this, dude, you are going to learn an education. Like you, you can't even, you can't even quantify it. So you, you went into this first deal. It took you 18 months of your time. You lost a hundred thousand dollars, you know, like all of these difficult things, but that hundred thousand dollars, that's tuition, right? Cause you got a degree, you know, and you don't get to put the degree on your wall and put letters after your name, but boy, did you get a hell of an education? I assume from doing that. I know that's how I learned from my failures. It's like, Okay, I'm going to chalk that up and I'm going to count that as tuition because now I know what not to do and I know better how to move forward. Yeah, and and just to clarify on that story, it wasn't my money. He was the money he, my my uncle was the money partner. So people are like, "Well, you just said you were broke and you were 24. How did you find how did you lose that? It was my uncle's money, but at the same time it was the opportunity cost of 16 months and learning and being in there doing a lot of the labor and not getting paid for it." Um right. So there, that that's, I always like to clarify that as well. Yeah, no, absolutely. But you know, the, the fact of the matter is when you're starting out broke, you know, the, the reality is, is that you don't have a whole lot to lose, right? Cause you don't have any, you don't have anything to let go of. So it's okay. And especially if you're a young motivated guy and you're going out there, what are you, what are you going to lose? You know what I mean? Like you're 22, so 24 years old. Just go do it, man. I love that. I watched an Instagram video not too long ago and it was exactly that. They're like, the, it was somebody that had nothing and they were like, they were worried about the what ifs of like, oh, what if my business goes under? Or what if I lose money? It's like, you have nothing already. Like, right. what do you lose? Like, like, that does not make any sense. You yeah. already have nothing. Like, what's the worst case scenario? You go back to having nothing again. Right. And that's what, I mean, that's what being an entrepreneur, entrepreneur is about. I mean, once you have a, a wife, kids, like stuff like that changes a little bit. But, sure. um, but when you're young and broke, you just got to go for it. Yeah. And not only that, you you touched on something earlier. The reason I didn't buy my very first property I bought was a condo. Unfortunately, I bought it in 2007, right before the oh. uh, the 08. Yeah. So I ended up with a negative $70,000 net worth when I was trying to get out started, you know, and I had dumped my entire life savings into the house at the time. So that okay. totally sucked. But the reason I didn't buy a duplex, I knew that that was a good option because my wife was like, I don't want to live next to somebody, you know, so I ended up buying a single family, which still sucks to this day. So yeah, if you're in a position where you don't have a wife who's going to tell you where you're allowed to live or where you're not allowed to live. Uh, boy, does it make it easier to put yourself into situations and maybe you'd be willing to move into, you know, maybe a less expensive neighborhood where you wouldn't feel comfortable having a family necessarily. So you have options and you should leverage those options right now. You have nothing to lose. You have nobody telling you what to do. If you don't have any mouths to feed, now you don't have to even worry so much about doing anything other than you know, paying the the basics of your, of your life. And you can do that for very little money. And, yeah. uh, you know, using the language that we were talking about before with financial freedom, if your total overhead is like $2,000 per month, it ain't that hard to get there real quick. So you can yeah. establish financial freedom if you're really tight about how you live your life extremely quickly, if you're willing to go out there and do this. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what I did. I mean, I had, I had no overhead. I had no debt from college. Luckily I had a college scholarship to play soccer. So, and my parents paid the rest of it. So, um, and then my, I mean, I always tell a story too. Like I identified the area that I wanted to go after. I don't know how I came to the conclusion. It wasn't some like in-depth market research, just like 
<laughs> I literally like went on Google Maps and pointed at an area. And I was like, I like this area. What's the zip code? And I started sending mailers to there to try and wholesale. Okay. Funny enough, that's where I bought my first duplex. I went, my mom was like, she she drove by it because she got a real estate license during that beginning time period. She was an te- algebra teacher for 30 years. Awesome. Uh, and she quit her job last year to sell all my houses and run my Airbnb business, which is another amazing thing. Got to yeah. semi-retire my mom to to make more money and have more freedom. Sure. But she said, there's no way in hell I was, was going to move to that area. I said, you know what, mom? Like, I'm going to... I'm, I'm, I love you, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to do this. You're not going to tell me no. I'm a grown man now. Like I'm going to do this. And now that property's worth probably three fifty, four hundred thousand. The one above, the couple blocks up. She helped my cousin buy an uh, buy a house in that area. She helped my brought my brother a house in that area. <laughs> uh, and then there's like a whole bunch of economic stuff that's booming there. So that's like a couple takeaways from that is like you got to believe in yourself and you got to have unwavering faith and. You also, it takes time. So you got to be able to to see what other people don't because you look like a genius years down the road. But during that time period, you were an absolute idiot. Like, why are you living with roommates? Why are you doing this? It's like, because I've I've, I've listened to things you haven't. I've researched stuff that you haven't. I know what I'm going to do. You guys just don't see it yet. Yeah, absolutely, man. Dude, I, I freaking love that mindset because it's like, you know, if, Everybody always says, well, if I knew then what I know now, it's like, well, bitch, you know what you know now. So get out there and do some stuff, you know, like, you know, that you ought to get into a piece of property. So stop messing around and get out there and start buying stuff. Tell me a little bit about if you're buying your first house and you're going to do what you did, you're going to buy a a duplex, a quadplex, whatever you can. What are some things that they ought to be looking for? What are sort of like the make or breaks? If you see this, run away. If you see this, jump in, make sure you don't pass up. What are some of those things? I try to look through the lens of an inspector and an investor with everything I buy still. So the first thing I look at is what is the age of the house? So uh, Florida, probably not as much, but I'm in Columbus, Ohio. Houses were built in the 1800s all the way to 2023. The eras of homes mean the mechanicals and the construction are different. A house that was built in the late 1800s, early 1900s has found if you guys are listening to this you guys know what basements are but we have foundations with basements and some you can finish some you can't so these old basements they're literally made of stone so they went to the quarry grabbed rocks stacked them on top of each other to then build a house in a hole right <laughs> thing to think about it's like how is that house still standing um but that rocks with mortar in between them equals water so you got to make sure the basement doesn't get crazy wet um, cause water is going to equal mold and mold is going to deteriorate your construction materials over time. So I want to look at the foundation. I want to make sure that there's no crazy foundation issues, movement, bowing, water, all that stuff. That's number one. Um, and then number two is going to be a roof. I want to make sure that, uh, there's no water getting into the house through the, the top of the house. So I need to identify what kind of roof and I need to know the lifespan of each, um, construction material. And then uh, number three is going to be my mechanical systems. So my my furnace, my air conditioner, um, my electrical, and my plumbing. Electrical is probably the biggest one because once again, 1900s houses, knob and tube electric, um, very very old, obsolete. Uh, can cause house fires as well. So if you're not careful with it, you may not get insurance, um, and you it's going to blow up your budget if you don't know how to identify it quickly and and budget for it. And one important thing that I want to build off 
on this is that this is all sounds very terrifying, right? Like it's like, oh my God, like I don't know anything about anything you just said, but that's why you hire somebody like a home inspector, right? That's why you hire them to come out to look at, and they're going to tell you, hey, just so you're aware, you know, your, your roof looks like it has a leak over here or your electric system is messed up. And so that's what the service of a home inspector is for. So if you're thinking to yourself like, oh my God, like I don't know anything. I just can't buy a house until I know all of that stuff. No, you don't. What you do need is to know who to ask, right? So you're going to ask contractors, you're going to ask a home inspector to get a feel for what are these things so that you don't have to be afraid of like getting yourself into a situation where you're surprised by like, oh my God, now I have to rewire a house. It's going to cost me $18,000 that I didn't have in my budget, right? So. And that's the good thing about relationships. I mean, you got to be able to, because like for somebody that's done home inspections for call it 20 years, that's their life work. I mean, you can go try and learn it over the next couple of years, or you can just pay them $400 for two hours of their time right. and learn it right away. Right. Yeah, and so don't try and recreate the wheel. Don't spend unnecessary hours on things because you may be way better at something else. Um, so you just got to identify your skill and then you got to just un- go, go after that and pay the money for other things that you don't know and you can cut the line. Yeah, absolutely, man. Okay, great. So so you're looking at the mechanicals of the house. So again, we've got this guy, he's going out, he's looking at his first house. Let's say mm-hmm. the report comes back pretty clean. He gets an FHA loan. He puts three and a half down. Um, he moves into that place. Now he's thinking like, okay, what I, what I really need to do is I need to get some cash in my hands. I need to do, establish a pot of money as an operating account that I can use to buy a flip or yep. to buy my next rental property or whatever. Um, how can he go about attracting that money? What what are some things or strategies that he can use starting from the beginning to go out and find a partner or to do whatever he has to do to make some money and put it in his pocket? Yeah, I mean, the cool thing about like just blue collar is the the, the idea of creating a skill or learning a skill that is is repeatable and going out there and making money doing that. So if you want to be a drywall, if you want to be a carpenter, just go work for somebody that that does that and you can go out there and make money every single day doing it. I mean, it's, it's very, very simple. And I mean, I know demo contractors that are making like stupid <laughs> money right now. I'm telling you like millions of dollars going and picking up shit and trash out of a house. <laughs> Literal and, shit sometimes, by the way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've done it. It's not fun, yeah. but like, where, where the riches are in the niches. If if you oh, don't that's cool. up, if you don't want to pick up shit out of your house, I'll come do it, but it's gonna cost you, right? So oh, yeah. that business, I mean, God, every time it's just so cat like you're getting paid cash every single day. So I want to get paid daily. So think about Correct. what skill can I have to get paid every single day, no matter what I I mean, you gotta be working, but you can also build a business and a system and people to where you may not have to do the work and your business can still have that uh, repeatable process. So home inspections, being an electrician, all that stuff, it's harder to scale because it's so people dependent and there's risk involved. So if I miss something on a home inspection, they're gonna come after my ass. But if I'm a demo crew and I'm picking up shit out of a house, like that's really, I mean, there's not a lot of liability there, right? So um, picking something that you can literally today go start. So go start a lawn mowing company, go, start a demolition company, a trash out company. Yeah. Um, all you need is a truck and access to the internet to put a couple of ads out, join a Facebook group, like network with real estate investors. There's Facebook groups in every big market and just drop your services in there, do them a little less than everybody else to get your foot in the door. Yep. 
and then use it as a tool to network with the people you want to network with. That's what I did with home inspections. Right. So you're making money right now today to pay your bills today. And then you're stashing away. You're starting to earn, right? So you learned your trade. Now you're earning from it. You're paying your bills that way and stashing a little bit more away. You're establishing that operating account and then you can leverage that operating account into some investments. And you're getting in front of people who know what they're doing. You're creating relationships with contractors. You're creating relationships with everybody. Again, another thing that you're talking about that I love, man, riches are, or excuse me, the niches are the riches. I freaking love that. I've never heard that before, but that's, that's exactly what I do. So I'm a licensed building contractor, which is essentially a drill, a general contractor. And so I'm licensed to go out and do like kitchen and bath remodels or like build houses or do whatever. And I don't. Why don't I? Because I don't get paid the same day. If I go in and do a kitchen remodel, I might be stuck with a customer for six months and I don't want to do that, right? I want to go in, do my job, get out, get paid, and then move on and do what I got to do, which is build wealth, right? Because I don't want to work for somebody else. Uh, so I have my license so that I can pull my own permits and I can do everything that I have to do in my market uh, on my own investment opportunities. Uh, but I love this idea of, yeah, like finding something where you can go in and get paid a lot of money for a specific skill right now today. And that'll allow you to pile up a big fat pile of cash really quick. I mean, that's, that's the blue collar blueprint method that learn, earn, and churn. Yeah. And then on top of that, if, if you're able to strategically build this business or whatever you're going to do, let's call it demo again, or home inspections, you get to then, and you want to invest it. Like the dream is to invest in real estate and but you don't know anybody, you don't have a network, just start go doing work for the people that you admire, the ones you want to learn from, add value to them by doing good work, maybe for even a little cheaper than anybody else. Right. And then just with the expectation you set, hey, I just want to learn from you. Like if I give you a good price, if I give if I do stuff and I do it on time and I do and I do everything I say, the only expectation I, I want from you is pay me, pay me on time and well. And at this and after that, I want to learn from you. So that's what I did as, as a home inspector. I offered a $75 inspection to, and people hear that like, you're, you're fucking nuts. You're crazy. Um, yes. And, but there was a purpose behind it. So I wanted to buy real estate, but I also wanted to network with everybody. So <laughs> I rolled this out as a one page report with about 150, 200 pictures um, for wholesalers mostly. So wholesalers, you sell your deal online with a lot of pictures, but I realized that not many people know what they're looking at or talking about. So, and they also need boots on the ground anyway. So they, they had either a college kid or a contractor going in taking terrible pictures. So I was like, okay, I can solve that problem. And then I can also solve your problem of you don't know what the hell you're looking at too. Right, right. So I do the one page report, I'll do it for $75. But I, the expectation I need from you is I want to see those deals first. And I want the, I, I want to network with you and I want to learn from you. And that blew up. <clears throat> That's Freaking awesome, man. Yeah. So, uh, dude, <laughs> I love that. That is such a creative way to get into it. Because uh, I'll tell you from an investing standpoint, I I actually avoid, in my market anyway, utilizing some of the local wholesalers around here. Because when they send you a deal, like they'll send you a text or something. They'll be like, here's the deal and here's the ARB and here's how much it costs to repair it. And I'll go and be like, oh, that looks interesting. And then I do my own research. I'm like, dude, you say that it's going to cost 30 grand to fix this up? No, bitch. That's, you know, I need 75,000. That's, that's my whole profit margin right there. You know, usually about half. I mean, they usually overinflate what it's going to be worth at the end. Right. Uh, the reno is usually about half of what it actually right. is. Uh, I usually just respond back. I'm like, Hey, have you ever done a rehab? Yeah. And yeah. I try not to like be a dick, but you got to educate them too. Cause a lot of these people are young and they're in a position where they just don't know. Sure. So if you can educate people as you go, 
and be nice about, they're going to continue to bring you those properties as well. Cause yeah. they, they feel like they, they get some value out of you. Yeah, absolutely. So man, you were mentioning before, like, uh, try, if you're in the trades and you want to go out there and start learning and also making money and, you know, <clears> leveraging <throat> your business on all, all fronts, uh, that you should go out there and start working for these real estate investors. How are we going to find those guys? Like, what are some strategies that you can do as a, as a tradesman out there to go find a good real estate investor who can hire you and, yeah. you know, educate you. Absolutely. So real estate, in my opinion, is still one of the more primal businesses. And this, I think it's, yeah. it's going to stay that way. Like you yeah. said earlier, AI is not going to change it because it's an asset. It's hard. Like there's so many different variations of it. Um, and also real estate investors love to talk about real estate and they like to hang out with other people that are in real estate. Yeah. Hell yeah. There are giant meetups everywhere. So there, there are, conferences around the country, but more niche in your in your area, get on eventbrite.com, E-V-E-N-T-B-R-I-T-E, and just search real estate meetup and then mm -hmm. geotag it to your and there will there will probably be one in the next month or two. So and if there's not, you should start one because that that's adding value to the community. And go to those meetups and just whatever you whatever you do, bring your business card and just, hey, I want to learn real estate. I know you need an electrician. Everybody does. Boom. You got you got the connection. Right. Next is going to be Facebook groups. Facebook mm. groups are massive. I mean, there's two Facebook groups in Columbus, Ohio that both have 10,000 people in them. And what are the groups? Like, are they? They're investing groups. So real okay. estate investing groups, connecting with other investors, but there's also uh, contracting companies in there because what marketing is great. Free marketing is even greater. Right. So being able to yeah. just get your name out there for free and also like now if somebody posts, hey, we need a home inspector in Columbus, you then, if you've done good business, you're going to have people that are referring you there to for free. So um, those are, I mean, those two right there are just massively, massively, massively important and they're free. They just take some hustle to get into. You got to spend some nights, but what's the word? I mean, go out at 7 p.m., have a beer with people and um, make new relationships. So it's, it's great. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I remember feeling almost made me feel like it was blocking me or holding me back when I was getting started. I was a really young guy. I was like 20, 21, 22 when I was getting started. And I used to think that I'm talking to like 60 year old guys who've been in the real estate game for 40 years, you know, are they going to trust some freaking 20 year old kid to partner with me or whatever? Tell me about any experiences you might have with that. And what are some strategies that you can use as a young person in order to sort of prove yourself or make yourself valuable enough where somebody might be willing to partner up with you or help you out? Man, that's a really, really good question because I remember thinking that exact same thing. I was a home inspector, a home inspector that you're evaluating somebody's biggest purchase of their life most times, right? And I'm this 22-year-old shithead that just graduated college. I don't know anything about a house. So I'm like, okay, how? I, I call it imposter syndrome. How in the world am I going to get over this yeah. imposter syndrome? Right. So the first thing I did was my name's Tommy. I, I cut my name down. My business name was Tom. So I was like, for some reason, I think everybody's going to want, like, I answer the phone to Tom. <laughs> So like the way you, the way you carry yourself. So answering your phone, like I, I luckily I have my dad and I heard him my whole life do this, but answer the phone. This is Tom. How can I help you? Every person that calls, no matter what, unless you're like my mom or somebody that I say that I talk to all the time. If it's a number that comes in, I don't have it. It's, this is Tom. How can I help you? At, no matter what. You're establishing so, respect right off the bat. Establishing who you are. It's respect, everything. So then they know, okay, this person's a business person. Uh, I grew out a beard. I wanted to look a little bit, right? Um, yeah, I went bald. It worked out well for me. So. <laughs> yeah, I'm starting to recede this way as business goes on. But um, 
And then after that, after you get this whole persona of whatever you want to be, because that's the same thing with like life and business. You can be somebody different if you're starting a new venture, right? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. and then and, and then after that is going to be just education. I mean, you have to know your shit. I mean, I the only reason that people would respect me as I went through, I would walk them through a whole house as a 25 year old, and I would just let them. I'd give them. I would over inform them. Be like, oh. This guy knows what he's talking about. He looks yeah. like a baby, but he he's he's good at what he does. Right. So you demand respect from people when you know your shit. So that's that's huge. Absolutely. I don't know if this has been your experience, but I kind of expect that it is because it's been pretty well everybody's experience that I've talked to, which is that now that I'm in a situation now where I have gotten my, you know, I'm a little bit further down the path, mm-hmm. I'm looking behind me at some of these younger guys who want to do some of the things that I've done. And when I find somebody and I identify somebody who you, and you can tell, right, they carry themselves like a professional, but they're hungry and they are hustlers and they're ready to go out and kick butt and take names and learn and do everything they can in order to be successful. When I see that in somebody, it makes me as somebody who's in a position to help them want to help them. I'll go out of my way, not just to be like, oh yeah, they can help me, but like I'll go the extra mile to like bring somebody up with me because I know I, I can see that in them. You know, I remember being so desperate to get into this stuff and then having a handful of people look and be like, wow, this guy knows what he's doing. He wants this, you know, do you have that experience as well? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's mutually beneficial, obviously. So like real estate, I mean, you can get deals from that. You can get maybe a team member that will come work for you. So like my brother, for example, he, uh, he's probably, I think he's 26, 25, 26, he saw what I was doing. So he decided that's what he wanted to do too. So he's a home inspector now and he right. wanted to buy and the house hack and wholesale and all that stuff. And he, he thought it was going to be easy, much like I did when I first got into business. I thought it was going to be simple. And I got, I mean, that you go into that, I mean, you get kicked in the face right away. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> right away. And you're like, okay. So I let him learn that. And I think my dad, my dad did that to me too. And just like, okay, I'm not going to give you everything, but you got to prove to me that you want it. And then I can give you the next step. Right. So as my brother started to learn and grow, like for a while, I'm just like, dude, I'm not giving you the answer to these things because you've not earned it yet. Even if you're my, even if you're blood, because you're not going to, you're not going to cherish and appreciate what I'm going to give you unless you show me that. So if you have the hustle, you have the, all that stuff and you respect my time, I'll do the same for you. Absolutely, man. That's, I, again, that's, that's just critical. Uh, now you're in a situation right now where you've just recently launched, as I understand it, a, a community of your own, right? So uh, a place where people from all over the country, all over the world can join up into your community and be in a situation where they can learn from the resources, the real side of real estate, which is the name of the of the group and the program, uh, and learn how to do all this stuff and establish relationships. And you'll be in a position of really being like a virtual mentor to these kind of people. Can you tell us a little bit about that and how people can get involved and what you'll offer them if they're able to join up with you? Sure. Yeah. So we, I started shooting content and I, I wanted to figure out what my niche was going to be. Right. So I come from a home inspection background. I'm now a, a pretty successful investor. Being the home inspector made me the investor. And I realized that there was a niche there that not a lot of people have. And I follow a lot of people on Instagram. There was nobody talking about the actual house. There was nobody talking about like the losses. There was nobody talking about like the real side of like real estate, right? It's real estate. Why is nobody talking about the house? Everybody's like, oh yeah, I'm going to just buy this house for a hundred thousand. I'm going to put a hundred grand into it. I'm going to sell for 350. It's like, hold up. You just missed missed, like, first of all, how did you find it? How 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 are you just going to get somebody lend you 200 grand of cash? 
especially when you're young. Like I, I never had more than like a thousand dollars in my bank account at any given time. <laughs> I can't even fathom somebody having more than 50 grand to their name. I'm right. like, how is that even a thing? So the real side of real estate's there for that. So we're teaching the real tangible things of real estate and not just like dumbed down theory. So you have the theory, but you also have like the real life experiences. We're going to tell you the hardships. Um, it's a private uh, community. So we have a, it's in a Slack messaging. So we have okay. different channels for different things. So wins and losses is one of them. So if we have a loss on a house, we just lost 20 grand on a flip. We put that in there because we want to show people that that's a real thing. But also when we make 110,000 on that wholesale deal, we're going to also show that win. It's because if you're, if you're doing good business and if you're doing enough volume, you're going to win, right. but you're also going to lose. Yeah. And hopefully the wins heavily outweigh the losses, Right. but people need to see that. So there's the community. My whole team sits in the community to answer all of your questions. Um, and then also beyond that, we have a wholesaling crash course in there right now. Nice. And I'm also building out probably, I say right now it's like 50 hours, but it's probably end up going to be about a hundred hours of on-site um, fix and flip content. So <clears throat> showing people literally how to take a house from the studs to finished product. What are the components? Man. I, like laying LVP. Like what is quarter round? Like right. <laughs> everything. Never, like you never even know until you either one do it or you have to pay somebody to like change order it. Like, fuck, how did I not know that? That is not hard, right? So that, uh, and then just really building wealth that way. So you got the private community. Um, it comes with uh, one course or the other. Um, and then we have Tuesday live calls. So community calls to where we're either teaching theory or we're doing accountability and we're sharing uh, wins or and losses with, uh, with the community and uh, as group calls. Great. And so the community can call in, they can ask you a question. Hey, Tommy, I just got this deal or I've got this problem or what would you do in this situation? I mean, is it that, that, that kind of environment? Exactly. My God, man. So, and so obviously this would be an investment on the behalf of somebody who wanted to be involved with something like that, but like having a course, that's going to be 50. I mean, a course that's going to be 10 hours is, you know, worth its weight in gold, but 50 or a hundred hours to show you how to actually do this stuff with your own hands. That's that's incredibly value plus the ability to have you as a mentor or the rest of your team. That sounds phenomenal. Well, what is an investment like that going to run somebody if somebody wants to get involved? Yeah, so right now um it's co it costs 297 to get into the group and then $99 okay. a month after. So, um incredibly reasonable. We're underselling it right now. Um and we know it, but we want to really get people in there and like really change some lives and then as time goes on the price especially when i roll out because i mean i'm losing hair and partially it's because <laughs> partially because of this like the, the fix and flip course it's sure. just it's just such a can of worms that yeah like you kind of forget how much is involved and then you start right. trying to speak especially basic to a little bit more expert all right. and all those steps it's like oh my god this is a lot of stuff yeah so, yeah that price is probably going to be double or triple what that is right now. But if you want to wholesale, you can still have that wholesaling course for probably under 500. The fix and flip one is probably going to be right around a thousand, I would say, sure. uh, with a small monthly subscription to get the access to me, my team. And if you're in Columbus, I even give you my contractors, like wow. the value that we're trying to, we're just trying to get, give people more value that then like they hear the price. They're like, there's something, there's something's gotta be wrong there. Right. right. Like, <laughs> trying to just over deliver every single day guys this is an opportunity to get on the ground floor man because this is like this would be like you know 
who, this thing is going to blow up. I mean, Tommy's got an incredible system in place. And based on what you're telling me just about this, I mean, I'm going to join up and see what's going on up on my end too, you know, to see what kind of stuff you have going on out there because damn, like that's, that is so insanely worth it. So think about this. I mean, Tommy, you went to college. I went to college, tens of thousands of dollars <laughs> of money that went into a university's pocket so that we yeah. could, you know, throw the degree over here and go buy real estate. Uh, you know, I mean, hell, it, what is a thousand bucks or, you know, a few hundred bucks and then a hundred bucks a month in order to invest and to learn? It's like, dude, you know, especially learning in a way that's going to be specific to your own needs because you can ask questions and you can get that mentorship and those connections. So if you guys are out there and you're wondering, how do we get started in real estate? You get invested in a community like this, you jump on board. So get in while the getting's good, you know, because the price is only going to go one way <laughs> as this yeah. thing builds. So get on the ground floor and go out there and do this thing. That sounds like yeah. an awesome program, man. Yeah. And I mean, business is all about community as well. So yeah. just having, like I've said it a few times, relationship capital, being able to pick up your phone and call somebody that can give you the answer instead of going to try and read a hundred books on it or like right. spend three years to figure out something you could have asked somebody in 10 minutes, right? Um, it's very powerful. So getting around other like-minded individuals is also even more powerful. So right. your, your, your sphere of influence and the things you listen to and the people you follow, um, they're going to mold you into the person you're going to be. So if you're hanging around losers that are uh, still on the couch at noon, which I can't believe people still do that, but like this. hanging out all day and nap, like, or you get around somebody that makes millions of dollars every year and you realize you're not much different than them, your life is going to completely go one way or the other. Absolutely. So that's the community we're trying to build. That's that's phenomenal. There's an old saying. It says you lay down with dogs, you're going to come up with fleas, right? Which means that if you're going to hang out with the the kind of guys who aren't doing the kind of things you want to do in your life, you're more likely to get those kind of results. But if you surround yourself with people who are doing the things that you want to do, and you can surround yourself in person by creating friendships with those people, like you said, go out, have beers, get, get in contact with real estate clubs and investor groups and Facebook groups and in-person meetups and whatever you got, get around these people. Um, and listen to podcasts like this. Make sure that you're following Tommy on Instagram, man. I mean, I, I love flipping through all your reels, dude, because I'm like, oh, man, I've never, just like you said, I've never seen anybody address this. It's stuff that I know from being a in-the-field guy, but damn, why, why doesn't everybody and their brother go out there and tell people about this stuff, you know? Yeah, the coolest thing now, like, and I, I never really sold anything. I was really against the idea of selling because most people that sell their course, they give it a bad name. It's really just kind of money grabby getting those dms from people you've never met or never talked to and they're like tom i've been following you for two years i just closed on my first rental property thanks to your videos like, i just wanted to say thank you and i'm just like what that's insane yes like, so just this stuff uh, get out there especially as you start to niche down and become business utilize social media i mean it's 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 so powerful i get people lend me so we didn't really talk about this but like fixing and flipping houses and owning rentals without your own money Mm -hmm. You can have people lend you the money as long as you find good deals. I get so much people that want to lend me money just from Instagram. Like I'm talking, we're selling a house today. We're making 50 grand. The dude lent me $250,000. I've never met the guy in my life. <laughs> Don't know what he looks like. His name's Marcio. He's out of Florida. Never, up, <laughs> never met him in my life. Literally. We had one phone call from Instagram and he lent me $250,000 on a house. I mean, that's insane. Yeah. Yeah. So, but you know what, dude? That stuff happens all the time. All the time. Yeah. So 
and, and how, how, because you're out there and you're just showing people like, Hey, I'm a real dude doing real jobs, making real money. If you want to come with me, come on along. You know, you want to lend me money, jump on board. You want to be a part of my contracting team. You want to be on my, you know, on the back end of my wholesaling business. There's so many ways to get involved and you're not going to get anything unless you open your freaking face and ask for it. I got this interview by just like dropping a DM. I was like, Tommy, look, dude, I freaking love what you're doing. I think you'd be a great, you know, uh, value add to my audience. And he was like, that sounds great, man. So I I feel so honored and grateful for you being here on the show. And I, I just, I feel so inspired, man, like seeing your story and hearing everything that you've done. But what really encourages me is the exact thing that you just said, is that like my intent is to help people who are, you know, facing the reality that not everybody's going to go to college. Not everybody's going to be an engineer or a lawyer or a doctor and sit behind a desk. Some people are made to go out in the world and work with our hands, be a plumber, an electrician, a drywall guy, a painter, a lawn care guy, a demolition guy. When I got started, I didn't know you could make a thousand dollars a day. Like being a drywall man, it's like, that was unheard of, you know? And it's, it's phenomenal. You can do that. So, but the thing is you don't stop there, right? Like you get the trade, you learn it, and then you earn from that trade. But then you got to leverage that sucker into doing exactly what we've been talking about this whole time. Get yourself involved in real estate, build some passive income and do it by making sure that you're listening to smart guys like Tommy Har. So Tommy, dude, I so appreciate you being here, man. Is there anything else that you want to leave us uh, with before we close this thing up? Yeah. I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is, uh, well, two things. One, you're one relationship away. So this is talking to the, to the new people in business. You're one relationship away from changing your life. So putting yourself out there and you never know when it's going to come, it, it, it will come. So you're one relationship away from completely changing your life. Um, so keep that in mind. And um, the last one, I completely forget what I was going to say, um, but it was really good. So, <laughs> um, oh, I'm 28. I'm about to turn 29. I got into this business when I was 22 or 23. That's only five, six years. Your life can drastically change really, really, really fast. I'm I'm the first millionaire in my family through owning real estate, but also because I became a home inspector. So it's very not when I say that people are like, what, what are you talking about? But it's exactly what we just talked about during this entire podcast. I became a millionaire by by the time I was 27, just as being a licensed home inspector, using that skill to, to leverage and buy assets that are going to pay me forever. So one relationship can change your life. You underestimate what you can do in a year. You overestimate what you can do in a week. Mm-hmm. So keep pounding the pavement, work on work every single day towards your goal and it will come true. So just stay, stay nose down to the ground and uh, get to work. Oh yeah, man. Where can people find you uh, online, social media, anywhere like that? What's your preferred method and how can we get involved in the real side of real estate? Yeah. So the the best way to get uh, in contact with me is Instagram, uh, Tommy Har 5 right now. Um, we're almost at a hundred thousand followers. It's been growing like crazy. It's been, it's been awesome. Um, and the, the way you can join the real side of real estate community, there's a link in that bio or you go to tommyhar.com. Um, and there's some links up in the, in the top, or you can just scroll down see what we're all about and you'll eventually find, uh, where the products are at. So, um, Instagram and, uh, tommyhar.com. That's great, man. I'll make sure that stuff is all posted in the show notes so you can go there and check out Tommy on Instagram, get involved in that program. I'm telling you, you guys got to get on the ground floor of this thing because it's going to be a big deal. It's If you enjoyed this conversation, this is just a little blip of what, what's going to come. I'm sure of it. So Tommy, if there's any way that I can be of use for you, you need a, a partner down south here in, uh, in, the, in Florida, 
then uh, hit me up. I'd be happy to uh, to help you out in any way that I can. But dude, thank you so much for being here. This has been great and uh, wonderful to hear your story and all the, the wise things. So guys, take this advice, get out there and go out and build some wealth. Super fix.